Hey everybody, you are listening to the Talk Your Sass show. I am your host, Jenna Bewent. You can catch me on the internet at Gen Talks Tech. This is a show featuring stories and conversations about what it really means for black and brown women to be successful in their careers and all of the things that it takes to climb to the top of the ladder to success, the good, the bad, the glow up and the ugly and the traumatic and how we heal and learn lessons along the way. In this show, I'm also going to be talking about luxury lifestyles, normalizing Black wealth for Black women, normalizing luxury careers, and getting that luxury bag to match rich mindsets, and using your high-earning, high-impact career to create real wealth. That means generational wealth. I want to change the narrative around all of this and share stories and experiences of Black women that are changing the trajectory of their lives and their family lives. So let's get into it and talk some sass. Today's episode, I'm so proud of it. We have our first guest host, Angela Andrews. And some of my favorite parts of this episode was her talking about her origin story how she got to where she is today, how she goes about recognizing when it's time to take the leap and pivot from one job to another, one role to another, and how she knows when it's time and when she's ready to take a stretch role or stretch opportunity. Also, she talked about building a career brand in public and how important your career brand is in your career and how it should have nothing to do with your employer. She talked about her experiences with mentors and sponsors and the difference between the two. She also shared with us and dropped some gems on career ownership. I really, really, really like the gem she talked about for building your career brand. I think it's so important that everybody has a personal career brand that has nothing to do with their employer um, that really helps them not only get a seat at the table and helps them attract opportunities, but it helps you build your own table. So let's get into this episode. Okay, everybody, thanks for coming back to the Talk Your Sass show. Today, I have my very, very first guest host on the show, someone who I know very well, but have only seen in person today. Um, And we are Twitter friends. I have Angela Andrews here to be my guest host, and we're just going to get into what we're here to talk about. Um, Happy Women's History Month. She's going to be my first Women's History Month guest, and we're going to continue to have guests um, throughout the duration of this show, but it's pretty celebratory that I'm having her back. She was one of my first guests on my old podcast, Trill Tech Culture, if you're familiar with that. And so she did me the honor of bringing herself back on to guest host. So Angela, tell us what is going on. Introduce yourself to the people. Let us know. I am happy to. I am happy to. So my name is Angela Andrews and I am a solution architect at Red Hat. 
I'm also co-host of my company's uh, newest podcast called Compiler. Uh, they're also the producers of Command Line Hero, which is a very popular award-winning podcast. And this is their newest tech podcast. So we've been doing this since last year, since uh, 2021. And when I met uh, Geneva back in, I want to say 2019, I was still a systems administrator in higher education. So I have since made this jump from sysadmin, which I had been for many, many years, into a solution architect at Red Hat. So it's been whirlwind since the last time we spoke. It most definitely have. And and yes, I want to know all about the podcast, um, I was able to congratulate you through the Twitterverse, but congratulations again. Um, but before we get into the podcast and hosting a company podcast, because I'm sure many, many of our listeners will want to know how does one get into that? How do you go about that, etc. Let's talk about making the jump um, from higher ed into big tech into a super uh, <laughs> a super tech techie tech um, company uh, known as Red Hat and how explain that journey to to us oh, I'm happy to it I love my origin story here at Red Hat um, so I went to Red Hat Summit in 2019. And that was my first time attending their annual conference in person in Boston. I was there alone. Um, and as a woman in, you know, in tech, we're always outnumbered, right? So when you walk into a room, you don't see many women, right? So I, mm-hmm. it was at the welcome uh, happy hour and I walked in there and it was the same old, same old. It's like mm-hmm. where the ladies at, right? That's literally what you say. So, you know, it was a lively bunch. They had music, food, whatever. So I was at a, at a high top with some food and these guys walked over and said, do you mind if we share your table? Insert eye roll. And I'm like, sure, no problem. And they start talking to me. Oh, we're Red Hat Accelerators. And, you know, we're here to do a panel. And I'm like, I don't care. But they pretend they they start to tell me about what you'd be great as a Red Hat Accelerator. Once I told them a little bit about myself. So what a Red Hat Accelerator is, is they are customers of Red Hat who get to become in this group where they get access to Red Hat subject matter experts, presentations, you know, they sign an NDA, so they get the roadmap. They get a lot of cool benefits being an accelerator. A lot of meetings where you get to meet other people who are like you, working higher ed, industry, or whatever. And I was a, became a Red Hat accelerator. Um, a gentleman who was an accelerator, who had introduced me to the accelerators, he had gotten a job at Red Hat. And the moment he got here in 2020, he was banging on my door to come to Red Hat. And I was happy. Like, I loved my job at Swarthmore College. I thought this is where I would retire. They were very tech focused. They were doing all of the things. Yes, you know, moving to the cloud, containerization, virtualization. Like, they were doing things where I didn't feel stagnated, being um, left behind technically. 
technically. So they wore me down and <laughs> they wore me down and I interviewed and got the job. And my boss was like, you have to take this, you know, this is huge. So, you know, with his encouragement and his, you know, he encouraged me to do it and I did it. So I've been here since May the 4th, 2020, and it has been an amazing journey. I started in a small team. No one knew who I was, but when I got there, folks had fought, were following me on Twitter. So they were aware that I was like hosting podcasts or being a guest on a podcast or they knew, they knew about me. So when the time came to develop a podcast, they were just like, we know a girl. She works here now. She'd be great. So that's how I got to uh, host Compiler. And then they pegged me to host Red Hat Summit. So that was huge. I was like, oh my God. I went from being an attendee at Red Hat Summit to actually hosting it in 2021. So it has been amazing. And I like it. It's it's a it's a big switch from what I'm used to, but it keeps you on your toes. So what more they what more could you ask for? That was amazing. Thank you for sharing the, the the origin of how all of that started. You dropped so many gems that I want to unpack, but let's start with the last one that you said, which was when you got to Red Hat, you kind of came in as a nobody as far as not knowing people, not having connections, whatever. My cousin works there. I know somebody, my old boss's friend, whatever, works there. And what kind of enabled you to become known is that you are already building a career brand. Like you have a brand that you present online which lives online so that it's just evergreen. It lives there. People can go and check what you're doing, what you're not doing, what you're saying, what you're talking about, what you're learning. And they were able to pick you as the podcast host. And then later on you hosted the summit because of that brand. Can you kind of talk about the importance of building your personal brand and your career brand online, especially in tech Um, and I tell people that all the time, that's one of the most important things that I've done for myself, um, that I know works for a fact we can see through you as well. Um, can you tell people who are a little hesitant, um, where they can start and why they should be building a career brand online? Okay. So when you apply for a job, the first thing a hiring manager or a future employer is going to do is Google you, right? That's the first thing they're going to do. They're going to try to find you on LinkedIn. They're going to try to find you on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. That's what they're going to do. They want to see a glimpse into who you are. Um, If you submitted your resume, you'll probably have your GitHub or your website you probably won't have your TikTok on there. You probably won't have your your Twitter unless you're you know really big into tech Twitter. Um, I had none of those things on my resume. I had good old LinkedIn. I had good old GitHub, and that was the extent of it. But but 
because I did have a social media presence and I talked about technology and I connected with a lot of people that I would either meet at a conference like Red Hat Summit. Um, I met uh, one of, I met two of the producers of the podcast at conferences. So, you know, they now were Twitter buds and they see my posts. They see that I'm on this thing or I wrote this blog or I've done this and People remember that. They may not remember exactly everything that you've done, but they remember that, oh, this person seems to be okay. She seems to be doing things. And, you know, that's that's a small thing. Now, a lot of people say, you know, I don't want to, you know, they don't want to separate their tech from their their personal from their tech. And, you know, I don't want my 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 company and my business. My company follows me on social media. Right. And when they did, I was like. I don't know if this is a really good thing because I am a fully formed adult. And <laughs> if you don't like what I say, that's probably your fault, right? Because you shouldn't be following me. Right. So, I mean, I try to govern myself accordingly. Again, I'm a grown up, but again, back to the brand. If you are trying to make a name for yourself, being present on social media is a really big part of building your brand. Um, it lets It lets people know who you are, what you stand for. Um, when you're talking about your accomplishments, you know, posting about the blogs you've written or things that you've read or commenting on other things, you're becoming a, a, a subject matter expert of some sorts exactly. in different areas, right? So someone can see the stuff that you're talking and posting about. Someone can see that you've written a blog post about passing a, a certification, right? Because people share it, you know, I don't have the hugest following, but enough people know, oh, that's the woman who works at Red Hat, you know? <laughs> I don't even have Red Hat in my in my Twitter profile. I have a link at Red Hat, but I don't say I work at Red Hat. Um, I think it's very important to decide who you want to be, uh -huh. right? And it's uh -huh. very important to share that. Find a medium that is really uh, important for you, that's easy for you. It doesn't even have to be easy. You can work up to, if you wanted to do Twitch streams, if you wanted to do YouTube streams, if you want to do short technical, you know, bits on uh, TikTok, if you want to write blogs, there's so many ways to kind of build out your brand. There's not, you don't have to do just one thing, but what you do have to do is one, be consistent. Two, network, because you never know who's in a room speaking for you when you're not there, right? So it's very important to network. You know, I'm an introvert by nature, but I know I can't take my introverted tendencies with me to a conference. I can't take my introverted tendencies with me to a meetup because my next coworker may be in this room. My next employer might be in this room. So I have to put myself, my best face forward and kind of shed off those tendencies and introduce myself and maybe pass out a business card or, you know, are you on social media? You know, where can I follow you type thing? Um, I, I find that people don't put enough stock in that. Now, there are people who are doing this well. Like they're killing the game and hats off to them. But it's hard for a lot of people. It is hard. I think it's really hard. I think because we have to kind of hype ourselves up. The consistency part is uh, <laughs> a struggle. Um, 
Yeah. But it is undervalued and it is so important to do that. It's kind of like your stamp. And I like what you said about the subject matter expertise, because a lot of people, um, I know I was sharing about mentoring some young UXers. Um, They say, how do I build confidence? How do I know if I'm ready to start applying for said tech job or whatever? But if you were sharing your learnings and then kind of getting engagement back off of that, then that's such an easy, free confidence builder on social media, especially Twitter. Um, so I, you just said something about being an introvert. So I want to dig into that a little bit as well. How do you manage, um, you're very much engaged on social media and you are going to conferences and you are hosting major events in our industry. So how do you manage being an extrovert? I mean, an introvert, um, with doing these super extroverted things? quote unquote things. Um, and then how do you recharge yourself when you get home after having kind of given all of that energy um, <laughs> for being extroverted when you're not really extroverted? Right. It is a struggle. You really do exert a lot of energy putting on that persona. It's energy to be outgoing for an introvert. It, it's because it's not normally natural. So you're really exerting energy. You know, people would people say to me all the time, I would have never guessed you were an introvert. And I'm like, yeah, and I'm going to take a nap when this is over too, because I'm tired. <laughs> so um, how you do it, it, it's not the same for everyone. You know, some people have anxiety issues that make you know, being this outgoing, gregarious person, very difficult. And, and I understand that. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't have any type of uh, issues with things like that, that I struggle with, but just knowing, understanding that I'm introverted and it really does take a lot for me to be the first one to say hi or to walk into a room and kind of, you know, put it out there. Right. You know, I, I don't like to be the shrinking violet. Sometimes I do like there are spaces that I go into that I don't even bother. Like I because for whatever reason, I don't want to. I don't feel like it. you don't want to be on all the time. Right. Um, and that was pre pre covid. Let me be honest. But any opportunity now, because our opportunities are so few and far between. Any opportunity that I get now, I'm jumping on it because <laughs> I, I, you just like that interaction, you know, you get used to having those moments with people, you know, that you meet for the first time. And, you know, I, I did a panel last week, um, for a, uh, uh, for someone who works at GovLoop for an organization called ATAC. And again, it was all women. I'd never met these women before, but I, I, I drew from them. Right. And by the end of it, it felt like we were like best friends because everyone came there with a story to share, a story to tell. Everyone was really genuine. And that 
emboldened me. That gave me a little, you know, pep in my step, right? So, you know, I had to hype myself up to do it. And then we got there and it was like, okay, this isn't so bad. Now, mind you, it was only, what, five of us, right? Um, But you, you, you have to, sometimes it's about matching energy. I was just going to say that. (laughs) Yep. We were able to match energy on that panel and it it really worked for the best. Um, Sometimes you just have to do that. And that's okay because there are going to be other people in the room just like you. Right. And you're going to see their energy. And maybe those are the people that you walk up to. And those are the people that you introduce yourself to because they're going to feel your energy as well. So, you know, I, I will say this. And I said this to a friend of mine two weeks ago. And I was like, yeah, you know, sometimes when people are just like loud and over the top, they make me tired, right? <laughs> like, because it's a lot. You you don't want to be rude to yeah, them. You it's wanna, true. It is. And you're you're listening to them and it's just like, oh gosh, you know, it, it, you know, energy has to go somewhere. Yeah, you automatically get that like exactly like a you know? blanket, like <laughs> like a way to and she she looked at me like I was crazy like like how dare you like you have to be the biggest personality in the room and that's not what I meant it's not what I meant sometimes as an introvert maybe she doesn't know that I'm introverted so she I didn't explain myself well but sometimes when when people you know put out so much energy again it has to go somewhere and you know you're sucking it up and you're just like at some point you can't hear what they're saying, you know, it's just too much. You've always you've been in a room where someone's been too much. We've yeah, all we all, we've all been there, right? Yeah. So that's what I was saying. Like at some point you can't hear it because it, it's it's doing something to you. Now, in most situations, you're not gonna run into folks like that. I mean, there's probably one, but again, if you're trying to build your brand, if you're trying to network, if you're trying to get out there, and you know, social media is the great equalizer. Right. We can be whoever we want to be behind these keyboards. You know, we can be a superstar and you'd never know. So Mm -hmm. I say this, you know, when you say, oh, you know, I can't do it. Yeah, you can. If you can write a you know, we used to have what uh, creative writing in high school or in school or whatever. And we had to write a story. Well, write a story for yourself. What do you want to be today? What do you want to put out today? Right. So you have to be intentional. Um, sometimes you do have to come out of your shell a little bit, but sometimes you can kind of meet someone with your similar energy and that's that safe space where you can go. Um, and again, social media equalizer, use it to its full advantage. You don't have to see people, you don't have to engage with people, but you can build your brand. Let people see what you want them to see. Let them see your body of work. If that's what you're putting out there and be proud of it. You know, you don't have to Twitch stream. You can write, you can do a whole lot of things. So to anyone who is, you know, not sure about that, there's many ways. There's all, there's many ways. There's not one way to build and and secure your brand. There isn't. Find what works for you find what works for you. And I would say find what doesn't feel forced Um, because a lot of people are trying to force mediums that don't really match with their personality or what they can consistently show up and do. So Mm -hmm. do what works for you. Do what's not forced. Um, I want to go back to your, you had a great boss. Um, 
someone who was a champion. And I encourage people to have um, career champions and not so much the mentor, but the sponsor is so important, right? The sponsor Mm -hmm. is So let's go back to when your old manager said, you know, you should go for it. Um, you, you have to apply, you have to take this job. Let's go back to why that was important, that particular encouragement. And then let's go into the confidence, um, and the mindset that you had and used to take this kind of stretch role, uh, for anyone out there who doesn't have experience with a stretch role is looking at a stretch role. Like I could never do this. It's too much for me. Job is too big for me. I'm not qualified, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So the bosses, it was more than one. So I had gone to a full stack coding boot camp, and my boss encouraged it. He helped pay for it. And when I was feeling like I was outgrowing my position, he said, you have to go and do what you have to do, right? He encouraged me. We still talk to this day, this this manager that I left at the beginning of 2019. Um, then the next manager, he and I had gotten really close. Our offices were next door to each other. And we bonded because we were both like these AWS geeks. This is all we would talk about. This is because he loved it. He wanted someone to talk about it. Um, and he understood that there's so much, you know, there's only so far I can kind of go in this role. You know, I couldn't take his job unless he left. You know, I worked in higher ed, so there was really no place to go. Right. There was no growth. Um But when the job came up, I had a sponsor and that sponsor was the gentleman who was the Red Hat Accelerator. Once he got to Red Hat, he talked to his boss about me. They were looking for solution architects and I met his boss and I met his uh, another manager. These are the people that I interviewed with. And if it weren't for him being my voice when I wasn't in the room, when they were saying we need solution architects. And he was like, I know a girl. And he would show them my uh, YouTube videos or whatever. And they were like, she's great. Yes. So because they could see me and what I could do. Yeah. There were only two minute videos, but in those two minutes, it was enough to make an impact to these gentlemen. They wanted to speak to me. They wanted to talk to me and interview me, and they did. So I have been really blessed in my career with great managers, you know, great sponsors, people who don't mind saying, I know a girl, right? It's been happening to me in Red Hat since I started, where people say, I know this woman, and I think she can do that. I've gotten some of the greatest assignments just because you meet someone in an, in the office. You meet someone in the bar, like literally our bar to a hotel. Like I've met people in my company. Yeah. And then when they're doing something, they say, what about that Angela Andrews? That's all it is, right? So 
I'm I'm not I don't I don't think I'm as intentional about my brand as I used to be because I was trying to get somewhere, but I'm comfortable in my brand, right? I'm comfortable um being a spokesperson for myself and for my mm-hmm. abilities and definitely for others. Now now I like being that voice for other people when you know I'm I can be that sponsor. So it has afforded me the ability to reach back because so many people have done it for me. Yeah. Right. And that is the that's the ultimate flex when you're in a position where you can say, okay, let me do something. I can do something for someone else that's meaningful. You know, and that feels really good to me. So to my bosses, you know, thank you for allowing me to grow to my sponsors, you know, that are past and current. Like people are still talking about, you know, I know a girl, right? (laughs) Thank you to them because one, I'm my authentic, genuine self, right? I I try and people, people uh, accept me for who I am. And that's really important too. So thank you to all those folks who are helping me along the way. I love that. Um, The full circle moment of one flex to a next flex, which is, first of all, having um, your name brought up and opportunities brought up in rooms that you're not even in, right? And then the seat at the table when you're not even at the table or in the room, that's a that's a flex by itself. And then when you can turn around and do that for somebody else, especially a black woman, black man, whoever, that's the ultimate flex there. So I love all of that. And um, I'm currently in that space as well. I love it here. Um, and then two... I wanted to go back to the stretch roll. Um, mm, right. How do how how did you approach it? Um, get through that, and then any anything you can share that would help someone apply to the stretch roll and kind of get over that imposter syndrome with the stretch yes. roll. So, what you just said was me. I had imposter syndrome out the wazoo when that gentleman said, you can do this job. And I said, no, I couldn't. So we had a lot of tension because he was so sure he would send me job posts. I would delete them. I wouldn't apply. I was like, I can't, I cannot do this job. This went on for about two or three good months. He wasn't there. He started in January. I started in May. So Think about how much we had had conversations and I was just like, there's no way I can do this job. I read the job description and I was like, I don't know this stuff. So, but I did know this stuff. And what I, what I think my biggest asset is my the curiosity that I have and the ability to learn. Of course, I had done systems administration for a very long time. So technology wasn't an issue. I had a technical background. Now, when we read a job posting and we're looking at these specifics and we're like, yeah, SQL, I know how to spell it. You know, I've never done it. Maybe I worked with a different database, right? There's these things called transferable skills that really don't have to match apples to apples, right? If you're in the neighborhood, you're close enough. Look at a job posting. 
you don't have to match 100 percent. If there if there are key uh, requirements in a job post that, you know, you have down pat. Oh, I can do this, this. I can't do this. I could maybe do this. If you can go back and forth and be honest, go ahead and apply. There's nothing. Don't let don't let yourself say no. You've just knowed yourself out of a, an opportunity. Let them tell you no. Let let the interviewer say, go through the motions, go through the interview and let them say, mm, maybe you're not a fit for here. Okay, that's fine. Don't close yourself off before someone else even gets to hear you or see or talk to you. Don't do that. Um, the stretch roll. It was not the roles that I was used to. I was a doer. I was, you know, racking and stacking. I was supporting Windows. Where's Windows and at Red Hat, right? You know, I did Linux, um, virtualization, you know, VMware, you know, they have their own virtual platform or whatever. I did a lot of hardware. They really don't deal in hardware, right? So it was, um, it was a stretch. So I came in with the curiosity. My interview was almost, they wanted me to learn as much as I could about the portfolio in like four days. I was a Red Hat customer. I used RHEL, a little bit of Ansible, but the Red Hat portfolio was huge. So I had to pretend that I was a solution architect and the people that were interviewing me were customers. And I had to talk to them like I was an essay. I wasn't an essay, never been an essay. I've had essays, right? So I had to pretend. This is literally what it was. I had to pretend to be an essay and put on this presentation. And, you know, they gave great feedback. You know, I had, you know, what I could work on, which was amazing because, you know, a lot of people go through an interview and don't know how bad they did or how well, you know, you're, if you did well, you probably get the job, right? If you didn't do so well, you don't know what you messed up on because usually you don't get that feedback loop, right? So they gave great feedback. And here's a funny the people who interviewed me first loved me. Oh my God, you're great. You would be perfect for Red Hat. You are Red Hat material, but you won't fit on our team. You're a little green. We need a little, we need someone with a little more experience. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, okay. He was like, but no, no, I know a guy. He's building a team. Let me have him call you. This guy called me the same day. Wow. And I set up my interview and I he hired me and I got it redhead. Now, here's an even bigger. Wow. So me, I was I was a solution architect, solution architect. Um, this gentleman, the guy who interviewed me, the second manager. The one who um, hired you. The not the no, <laughs> the the one who said, Oh, you're perfect for red hat, but you're a little green oh. for our team. This mm -hmm. gentleman. Um, I was, I was considering leaving Red Hat, like, you know, and he found out about it. He was like, oh no, where are you going? No, 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 no. You can come to my team. I'm wow. sorry. I made a mistake. You come on over to my team. And that's where I am now. And so that's wild. Talk about, so, cause I had, circle. right. So there was a lot of reorgs and I, you know, the first gentleman who hired me, he was a gem. And then I had gotten moved around so much, so much, so much. And I was just like, mm, I don't know. And I started, yeah, I don't know. This guy was like, no, <laughs> come here. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. You can come to my team. And 
that I've just been, I've been having just the best time. It's a great team. It's the job itself is very challenging. Um, You have to know this huge portfolio, maybe, you know, 10 feet wide, maybe a foot deep, right? So you have to know a lot about things. You have to be able to talk to a customer, find out what they need, what their pain points are. So communication is a huge part of my job. Being able to do discovery, being able to communicate. Empathy is a huge part of being a solution architect because I, for me, I've been in their seat. I I would have to implement a technology or research a technology or fix something in my environment. And I would have to go out and find those things. So being empathetic is a huge part of my job. It's not in the job description, but I think it makes me a much better essay. So this is a cool job. (laughs) You know, usually pre-COVID, I'd be traveling, I'd be going all over to meet customers or whatever. That's another reason why I was interested, because I wanted to travel. Mm. But with but, but with COVID, you know, things have changed or whatever, and I don't get to travel very often. But that was a stretch for me. It was, you know, from being a sysadmin where you keep your head down and you do your job and, you know, you're just a worker bee and you don't really interact a lot with a lot of customers and things like that, to turning it all around. And literally all I do is talk to people. <laughs> and that's, again, as, as an introvert, Wait a minute. Yeah, a stretch in many ways, let's just say. Technically, um, emotionally, just yeah. I, I'm I'm assuming you have a, a great self-care um practice for outside of work. Um do you mind sharing what you do to kind of recharge yourself after doing all these uh non-natural things at work all week? Sleep. There's, there's really nothing else I can do. Um, when it's, when it's a lot, the the best thing for me is to take a nap and to recharge my battery, right? Resting is so important. Um, I, I can say how I care for myself, it ebbs and flows and it depends on what's going on, you know, around me and with work and everything. But, you know, in a in when everything is kind of at a homeostasis with me, it is the ability to get up early and you know and exercise and you know um, spend my time with my God and you know move into my first meeting refreshed, breakfast all ready to go, and then your day comes on and you know in a perfect world when the when the end of the day comes four five, six o'clock, whatever that is, you know, you can close your computer and you can, you know, have a meal with your spouse and, you know, or go out to dinner and, and things. So having, that's when, that's when my life is at homeostasis and yeah. it ebbs and flows because sometimes your, your responsibilities require more of you mm-hmm. at certain times and mm-hmm. you have to be able to be flexible. And yeah. um, I think working remotely really does help with the flexibility. Oh, You're so not, it helps with that flexibility, doesn't it though? Um, because I'm the same way that more, first of all, routine is very important. So what you just described as the morning routine, I that's, that's me. I do all those things for the morning routine plus the coffee. Um, but I think working from home 
allows me to make sure I'm more than not hitting my morning routine. All of my routines, really, because I'm at my house. Mm -hmm. And then um, the other thing you said was ebbs and flows and being able to be flexible. So a lot of times when I can't do the routine, kind of managing that so that like you're not completely thrown off or like just all over the place because you didn't, you missed whatever part of your routine that you really love. So definitely understand that I'm the same way. Um, You mentioned the challenges with the job. I, I recently spoke to a young lady who shared that she felt as if um, learning the products, right? Or, or even the text that I've heard as well from other women is a lot of a, of a company in a new job. You know, um, you've just got, gotten into a new role. You're at a new company. How, how do you decide or go about learning breadth and depth of these, these, this tech stack or this product when it's so much, um, involved with it? So we only have, what is it? 168 hours in a, in a week. We all have the same number of hours, right? When you're trying to learn a new tech stack, a new product, a new whatever, and you still, again, you still have a job to do on a daily basis that requires you to be present. What I find works for me is just like you would schedule a meeting with a client or with a colleague, you have to schedule that time in. You have to make it, right? And an hour here, two hours here, sometimes you might have to, you know, if your days are super booked. Sometimes you have to maybe, okay, maybe after work, I'll put in a little bit of time. Um, Being flexible with yourself, but knowing, like being intentional. This is when I'm going to learn. I put this time aside. It's important to me that I stay up to date with my job because one, you don't want to fall behind. You don't want to be the one that don't know. Like you don't want to be that one. You can't know everything. Now, remember, we feel a lot of pressure. You know, if you're new to a job that, oh, my God, how do I I got to know all this stuff. And, you know, if anyone, any person expects you, you know, year one, year two to know as much as someone who has the institutional knowledge that's been there eight, nine, ten years, you you there's something wrong with the people that you work with. Right. So you have to it's something wrong. So you have to understand that you're probably setting your bar higher than what people expect of you. But I can, as a, I can speak as a woman and as a black woman where you've been told your entire life, you have to be twice as good to get half the credit. Like you have to go above and beyond. Right, right. And it feels like it's never enough. And are, am I learning this fast enough? Am I learning it correctly? Like it, it can be very suffocating. Just know. Every interaction that you have with enablement, with a new product, if you're reading, if you're going through a course, if you're listening to a a talk on something, you're making those mental marks and you're learning. You're maybe not actively learning, like you're not writing or doodling or whatever, but understand that all of those interactions start to pile up. 
and you keep having it and you keep having the conversations and you you keep going back to the you know going back to the product and you keep going back to the course and you're so what i'm saying is schedule your time know that learning happens in a lot of different ways it's not just when you're head down and you're trying to focus that's usually when it happens mostly but even your interactions with your colleagues there's always something to be learned by talking to someone else you know, you, hopefully you're at a company that has enablement where they're trying to teach you the products and they're trying to teach you the portfolio and the newest features. So you take that time and, you know, when you're listening to something, take some notes. And if they have links at it, make sure you grab those links and go back and read on it a little bit. Right. Those little things start to pile up. And when you look back and I'm looking back at what, 21 months of not knowing anything to feeling a little bit more comfortable about the technology, I can say that it didn't all happen at once. It happens in drips and drops and, you know, sometimes you're cramming and then sometimes you're away from the study and you hear something and it rings a bell. And it so learning's always happening. So don't beat yourself up. And I'm, I'm saying it to myself as well because I'm, I can be pretty hard yeah. on myself, but um, don't yeah. beat yourself up because they'll, your manager, if you have a good manager, they will see what you're doing. They will understand. And if you have any you know, deficiencies, they'll work with you and help you figure it out. So you're not in this by yourself. No. Great, great points. Um, I heard you say that we need to give ourselves grace, especially as black women. Um, some of these expectations that we're uh, holding ourselves up to are really just coming from our own selves. <laughs> and sometimes, a lot of times, not our managers or our peers, teammates, whoever, stakeholders. Yes. Um, and then a great tip for those who are not technical or non-technical in tech, which is myself. Um, I heard a great tip about going to enablement and customer success teams, which I have done in the past and learning from them. That is a super great gem uh, for fast tracking your learning in a new company and in a new role, which I didn't even think of or didn't even remember to say before, which is go to these teams that are like the teaching team, right? That is the training team to learn from them. I mean, I'm sure they have tons of documentation um, and, and talks, presentations that they've done on the particular product or, or tech stack. Um, so I do have a, a large non-technical, um, audience or following. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, you mentioned a lot of skills that were not technical skills mm -hmm. that helped you, um, especially in this new role. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about that. I think that there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, like, there's this technical role versus non-technical role. And then there's this whole like misconception that the technical, the non-technical roles are somehow like not as well paid or somehow not um, valuable or whatever. But these skills that you mentioned were key skills in you doing your new job well. 
um, and had nothing to do with certifications or uh, a technical skill. Can you speak to how important um, what they call soft skills are or um, skills that people normally don't think of as important in tech? I am happy to. So let's let's think about this for a second. When we talk non-technical roles, there are very few of those that exist. And the reason I say that is because a lot of jobs out there require you to understand technology. It can be an application. It can be a framework. It can be the tech that you can touch, you know, you know, I'm using tablets, I'm using laptops, I'm using cameras. The, my, this is all technology. All this stuff is technology. So I, I would I would always argue that every company is a technology company because all of us have to use some form of technology to do whatever it is we're tasked with, right? We're not just pen and paper and file cabinets and typewriters anymore. We're done with that. Every company is a technology company. Most of us are technologists because we have to use technology to do our jobs. Um, where the where the line tends to go is when you say non-technical. It's because what you're not programming or you don't know a particular OS or you don't know networking or you don't know whatever. I'm fill in the blank, right? That's, you know, I don't know cloud, you're not technical, you know, whatever. So with that, you know, think about a graphic designer. Are they technical? They use technology all the time. There are certain, the tools that you use kind of dictate what your role is. If you use those tools effectively and they, you are a technologist, you are, you are a technical expert in these things. Now with me, it's a lot of technical software and products and services and things like that, right? Um, a lot of it you don't touch, right? It's a lot of it you don't touch. Mm-hmm. But my technical came from, you know, my previous lives. Now, my previous life. The non-technical, which in this role that I think is so important, it is the ability to communicate, Right? Um, if you have a voice, if you can speak and communication happens a lot of different ways, not people who can speak, who can't speak can still communicate effectively. But if you can communicate, if you can meet people where they are, if you can get your point across, if you can communicate a topic, if you can speak clearly and, or communicate clearly so people can understand and they can listen and they can learn something or whatever you're trying to do. Communication is a skill that people say that's not a technical skill. It's a huge part of my job. Um, empathy. I said empathy. Empathy is not even on anybody's job description, right? <laughs> Unless you're a school teacher or something. I don't know. I'm being facetious. But um, if you're going to work in technology, empathy is huge because not everybody knows what you know, right? So with that, you have to understand that you don't want to make them feel less than or belittle. You want to understand their pain points and empathize with them. And you want to be a good listener, right? You don't have to be talking all the time. 
Because when you're talking, you can't hear what somebody's saying. They're not saying what they need to say to you. Being a very good listener is huge. It's probably not on a lot of technical job posts, right? So I say to that, when people start talking about, oh, these non-technical roles, find me a role that doesn't use technology. That's all. I, I The amount of it may matter, right? The amount of it may matter. Like, you know, who are you doing? Oh, cloud and DevOps. And I'm using this ter- service and that service and hybrid cloud and multi-cloud. And you can talk all that good gobbledygook. Awesome for you. That doesn't mean your role is any more important than anyone else's, right? Right. So I say that to anyone. If there's, if, if you want to learn technology, we live in a time where information is at the tip of, at the, at the click of a button, at the click of a mouse. It is so much out there. If you want to learn something and you want to make or change from a traditional non-technical role into a technical role, start Googling, start talking to people, start, right. you know, you see a role out there, talk to someone who's doing what you would like to do. Get to an informational interview. Pick, I hate the term pick their brain, but ask them what skills do they have? What tools do they use? What education did they get? You know, what does their day look like? Right. So you can kind of say, wow, this is something that I'm, I want to do. This is something that I don't want to do. Right. And then you rinse and repeat. And then you figure out what works for you, what you want to do. Now, tech is huge. When people say tech, a lot of people think code. Yes. And and I want to I want to stop that. I want to. I am on a mission to um, <laughs> roll that back. And let's not only say when we think about tech, we're thinking about the software engineers and developers mm-hmm. because my God, there are so many more people on the team to actually get this product working than that. It is. It is so. I say, look, go to Red Hat's job site, right? Or any big company that you consider a tech company and look at some of the roles, you know, marketing. Marketing is such a tech role now that it it's mind boggling, right? Mm-hmm. They um, have their own stack. Exactly. So again, most companies are tech companies, so don't sell yourself short. If you want to move into something that's more technical, the information's out there. The the internet has become the great equalizer and has made information so much more accessible to us. So don't give up on yourself, right? Do the work, ask the questions, put yourself out there. And when you decide, you know, and again, it's never in stone. So I, to to this, I say, don't flip flop. Don't, you know, if you, if you, if code is your thing, oh, I'm learning JavaScript. Oh my God, it's just no new framework. Maybe I should learn this. Oh, wait, no, I should now that's what you don't do. If you if you're serious about learning a new skill or getting into tech, you have to be very intentional. Figure it out what you want to do. Come up with a roadmap. It can mm-hmm. it can be a little salient. It can, you know, you can pick points or whatever, but walk down that path, right? Yeah. Start doing the work. Start blogging about the things that you're learning. Start talking about the things that you're learning on social media. Find articles that are in line with what you're learning and share them and comment on them. And you're doing two things. You're building your brand and you're learning something. So 
stay focused. Everything's possible. You see people on Twitter all the time. I want to change careers. I want to get into tech. I'm doing this. I'm, I'm going through this free program here. And there's so much information out there. So don't sell yourself short. Like ask around Google. If you if you're considering yourself non-technical and you want to get into something more technical, you know, the sky is the limit, to be honest. It's there. I 110% agree, Angela. So, Angela, what is next for you? Um, what can we expect from you? I want you to plug the podcast again one more time. Um, share with us. What, what can we expect to see from you, people who start following you on Twitter, um, et cetera? Well, um, I am host of a co-host. I have a co-host. We work together on a podcast called Compiler. And it is a podcast that answers tech questions, big, small, sometimes strange. Um, We're on episode number, I don't know, 15 or 16. And we we are our audience is people who are in tech or tech adjacent. Right. You know, you you could been in the business a hundred years, you can be new to tech and all of our questions aren't really technical. You know, we had one called should managers code. That was our first episode. And it had little to do, right. It had little to do with, with tech, right. It was, but if you're a manager, how much time should you spend managing or doing the thing? It was a conversation with people who were managers and how they decided to, what was their ratio? You know, we have, it teaches, you know, a lot of us don't know what edge computing is. And we had a edge computing episode that tried to a, a analogy, you know, pizza shops, right? We So we try to make it smart. We're just answering those questions, those tech questions. We try to make it super approachable. Um, you can find it anywhere that you find your podcast. It's called Compiler. Um, go to compilerpodcast.com. That is our website. And if you want to look for me, I am on Twitter at Scooter Phoenix. So long story behind the name. Uh, I will never change it. I love my nickname. It means a lot to me. And uh, I chat and talk about all kinds of things. Um, so whatever is on my mind, my latest uh, fancy is sketch noting. So um, it's it's a process where you kind of draw pictures to communicate information. You will see people doing it at conferences and at the end of a talk, they'll have this picture that kind of outlines everything that was just talked about in a talk. Um, I've done it maybe a few times over the years, but there's some amazing sketch noters out there. Um, I'm trying... So it is time consuming, you know, because I'm not an artist. So to like draw icons that kind of make sense, um, you have to really try and, you know, but sketch noting like any other skill, the more you do it, the better you get. Yeah. So if if that's something you're interested in, there's this great book, you know, it's called the sketchbook, some, sketch note something. There's not a lot of books on sketch noting. It has a black cover. If you Googled it, it's an amazing book. Google, you know, hashtag sketch notes, you're going to see people and the stuff that they've done for wow. talks or, or for notes. Like I'm, I'm doing it for notes for a certification that I'm studying for. And I'm putting a lot of the concepts in pictures. And when I, you know, I can't remember something like, you know, give you an example. 
you know, how do you de- how do you delete a user from HT password in OpenShift? Right now, I just said a whole lot. And I have one picture with four little icons on it that literally explains everything you need to do. So wow. that's what you're doing. You're trying to break down these really huge concepts into these really small visuals to make yeah. it make sense. You build so. a mental model so you have the picture in your head. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I don't know if uh, I'm a little little long winded when I take notes, but then at the same time, I remember pictures and visuals when I'm studying. So maybe it'll work. I don't know. I'll try. Pick and, pick and choose. Not every topic has to be a picture, right? You can pick and choose. Um, so I'm a, a long-winded note taker. That's yeah. Is that the term you just used? I too it'll am like, a long-winded note taker. It'll be like bullet point, uh, dash, da, 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 like all this stuff just to put that one concept out there. So same. I don't know. We'll give see. Try. I'll give it a try, and then I'll send you a DM. I, I might DM you the picture and see. Here you go. It makes I'll sense. Show you this. So you, no one else can see this, but this is a whole lot of writing and that just a couple of pictures. Cool. I love this. So it's a small thing, you know, a concept, a, a complicated topic. But this is like the full page that I did. Hold on, I'm trying to. There you go. Is that better? That is better. So, so listeners, you can't see, but I'm actually showing her a, a, a sketch uh, note on my iPad. <laughs> I think I'm going to do a, a, put some images in the show notes. Um, <laughs> well, I, ha- I actually tweeted this one out. The one that I, the big one I just showed you, I actually tweeted that one out. I was like, I wonder who else does sketch notes. And of course, someone says, so and so does sketch notes, and so and so does I sketch mean, notes. So. I love it. I love it. So yeah. yeah. And I got people who are amazing sketch note artists, you know, so oh, it's cool. awesome. Okay, Angela, thank you so, so much for coming back on to my show. Thank you for spending time with the Talk Your Sass listeners. Um, best of luck in this new role and we'll be talking again. Thank you so much for your time. And it was a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for tuning in and taking your time out to check out this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I want to know what you think about this episode. So please DM me, reach out to me on Instagram or Twitter at Gen Talks Tech. You can also email me questions about the show. Let me know what or which bloke, dope black women in tech that you want to see guest host with me next. Email me at message at talkyoursass.com or you can text me at 202-978-4072. You can find this episode online at talkyoursass.buzzsprout.com. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, share, and review. Refer your tech best friend or your favorite tech baddie. Head over there and read the full show notes. If you really want to see us win, leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast, whether that's Spotify, whether that is Google Podcasts, I don't know, but check it out. I love hearing from dope women like you, so I love reading all reviews, questions, and comments about the show. So if you have a minute, go ahead and do that and leave one for me. Again, thanks for listening to the Talk Your Sass show with Jennifer Wentz. Until next time, I am making room, taking up space, and of course, talking more sass.